Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to the Offside Rule WSL edition. It was goals galore at the weekend with a total of 13 across four WSL games. So let's get cracking and talking about all the action. Coming up on this show. Unstoppable Chelsea surpass the WSL unbeaten record and extend their run to 33 games without defeat after victories over Aston Villa and Tottenham. The title chase is still on. Wins for United and City keep the pressure on the table-topping Blues. Beard's Bristol bounce. Matt Beard secures Bristol City's first win of the WSL season and kickstarts the Robins' fight against relegation. We'll also be hearing from England and Birmingham City goalkeeper Hannah Hampton on her impressive season. I'm Lindsay Hooper, joined by Kate Borsay as ever and Tim Stillman from Arsblog. Tim, welcome along again. We haven't spoken to you for a while. Where were you this weekend? Well, I, I made an abortive trip to Walsall for <laughs> Aston Villa versus Arsenal until um, I got an email when I was uh, around about Watford um, to tell me that the game had been postponed for a water. Oh, that's pitch. so annoying, so, isn't it? Indeed, oh. second weekend in a row that I got as far as uh, kind of North no, London, of Hertfordshire course. area. We should be taking the mickey out of you, really, shouldn't we, Tim? The fact that Arsenal haven't won all year. I mean, it's a shocker. <laughs> I know, I know. I feel really left behind. But I did manage to get back in time to watch uh, Chelsea versus Spurs and Everton versus Manchester United, which might make me more useful to this podcast, actually. Yes, exactly. Not, not before we ask one more question, though, Tim, I think. Sure. Um, this postponement, the waterlogged pitch, uh, what I wanted to know from you is given the form since Dubai Gate happened mm. was this good or bad for Arsenal that it was bad. postponed I, I think bad for Arsenal actually because there's still some kind of bad air from Dubai Gate and they had a bad result against Reading but and they haven't been able to clear that really but I think what's most worrying for me is the next two games are Manchester City and Chelsea and Arsenal haven't played a game they've, they've played once in seven weeks going to, mm. into those games and I, I do worry about that I have to say I think you're right Tim in terms of those next two fixtures they're going to be huge now aren't they well let's get stuck into the first game of the weekend and it was a big win for new Bristol City boss Matt Beard Now Brighton can clear Amy Palmer and Carla Humphrey in central midfield and then Molly Pike making her debut on loan from Everton as Daniels has a goal! Oh, what a goal from Yana Daniels! What a brilliant goal! That is a great way to start. Ball forward for Salmon. Salmon has got there ahead of Letizia. Ebony Salmon for 2-0! She just doesn't miss! She wasn't going to miss. And it's her fourth of the season and Bristol City go 2-0 up. Is that a handball? from Williams, penalty given, Bristol City have the chance to make it 3-0, Salmon scores, what else did you expect, the teenage sensation does it again for Bristol City, who are 3-0 up and closing in on a first home league win in nearly two years. 
Well, a superb early strike from Yana Daniels and two goals from Ebony Salmon secured Bristol City's first win of the WSL season. 3-0 against a Brighton side who went down to 10 players when Kaylee Green was sent off in the 68th minute. The victory means that Bristol climbed within two points of Villa and West Ham. So a great result for Matt Beard. Tim, what was the difference in this game? What do you see happening there at Bristol? I, I thought, I, and I watched Bristol against Aston Villa in the Conti Cup as well, and I appreciate that was the Conti Cup. But what I think this result and that result does is it proves that Bristol can compete with the teams around them and that that could be really, really important in terms of um, staving off relegation. But I, I did think there was a difference in Bristol. They still had their solid defensive shape, but they had a lot more going forward this time. Um, it wasn't just a case of when I've watched them in the past, it's been very, very dependent on finding Ebony Salmon with long balls but they got players up to support her this time like Yana Daniels like Carla Humphrey and I just felt they carried a lot more threat going forward than I've seen before and I, I think that was really the difference in this game. And just the right opposition for them to play Tim I think in Brighton on the last couple of uh, podcasts that we've done here we've spoken about their spiralling form and I think it was evident uh, in this performance again uh, defensively I, I, ju I just think that they're nothing like the, the side they were at the start of the season and they're not clearing balls out the box. Um, they're, they're giving players too much space. I really felt sorry, actually, for Letizier. Um, The pace that Ebony Salmon showed for that first goal uh, <laughs> in behind. I mean, she left her for dust. She was literally looking at the back of her boots, wasn't she? Um, and the thing is, if, if you can't have a turn of pace as a defender, then your positioning is key. If you're coming up against a player like that, then it, it's all about being a little bit of a step ahead of, in terms of where your brain is and your positioning on the pitch and, and they weren't playing it like that um, and, and let's admit you know this is a first home league win for Bristol City in nearly two years and I think that shows a little bit where Brighton are at the moment I wrote down toothless I, I just think that they they need a defensive coach I mean we'll come on later in the show as well to West Ham but I think some of the teams towards the bottom of the WSL really need defensive coaches um, at the clubs. I, I think they're, they're not clearing balls out the box and, and that's just cardinal sin to me. I think you can tell Brighton are in a real funk confidence-wise and obviously they, they conceded really early in this game to a goal I don't think they could do an awful lot about. Um, but what's interesting is the team. a lot of the teams at the bottom have changed their managers. Um, Villa have made a managerial change. Obviously, Bristol's is a bit forced because Tanya Oxford is on maternity leave. Spurs have changed manager. Villa have made a change and it just makes me wonder about about Brighton whether you know things have maybe gone a bit stale under Hope Powell and I think you saw a loss of discipline as well in the second half with the red card and that usually to me is a, a bit of a sign of an unhappy team. I agree Tim the frustration that caused that red card and there's no forgiving it Kaylee Green stamping on Yana Daniels um, and they sort of tangled up and then uh, Kaylee Green sort of swung her body over and in that process then unleashed a stamp on Yana Daniels. So it was, there was no debate about the fact that it was a red card. And it's not really something you like to see in the women's game either. And I just wonder whether those players at Brighton still believe in Hope Powell as much as they have done. Does she still carry the support 
of the whole team and maybe I'm reading too much into it but I completely echo your opinion on on confidence and Lindsay you've mentioned spiraling as well it does feel like that for Brighton at the moment yeah and I think that we've mentioned as well that there are a few key players missing but you know you go through it there are probably four regular first teamers that that Hope Pals had to adjust around and I think she should be able to do that um you know we're not talking about a colossal number of players and and I and I think as well with the academy and bringing players through that's what she she should be looking to to try and bring out the best and people fighting for their places to try and get a regular spot in the first team if there are players missing and I'm not seeing that fight I'm not, I'm not seeing that from them at the moment and it's really alarming because now Bristol to climb within the two points that you mentioned Kate of Villa and West Ham wow they will be feeling really re-energized now thinking we could potentially get out of this and I think four games ago you would have written them off yeah, and, and actually when you look at Brighton, how's this going to make them feel in terms of what Bristol are doing? If I was Brighton or any of those uh, bottom teams, Villa, I'd be incredibly anxious. It just rank, ramps that up, doesn't it? The fact that they are now, you know, not out of the chase for, for relegation and that it's not a nailed on Bristol relegation. I'd be extremely anxious. So it should it should really mix things up a bit, actually, as we come into this second half of the season. Instead of taking up that gym membership that you wouldn't use even if the gyms were open, how's about subscribing to The Athletic for just £4 a month as a New Year's resolution? You'll get unrivaled football coverage with analysis and in-depth features from the very best writers around, exclusive Q&As with Athletic staff and ad-free versions of all of The Athletic's podcasts, including this one. Find out more and sign up today at theathletic.com slash offside. On to Chelsea against Tottenham next. It was the early kickoff on Saturday. Rianne Skinner's 100% record as Spurs boss came to an end at the hands of a seemingly unstoppable Chelsea side who extend their record unbeaten run to 33 games. Melanie Leopold's opened the scoring with a fantastic goal from range. There was an Abby McManus own goal on her debut. A Sam Kerr header as well. That added two more before half-time. Uh, Leopold's got her second of the game from the penalty spot and secured this 4-0 win for Chelsea. I'll start him by saying that, yes, it was a comprehensive victory, but Spurs started this one pretty bright. Yeah, they really did. They had lots and lots of chances. And I know I was watching it thinking if they still had Alex Morgan, I think one of those chances would have gone in because there was some, I, I think, some quite poor finishing um, from some really, really good situations. And, and actually, I had a kind of idle thought as well. I was I was surprised that Jane Ross didn't leave Manchester United during the window. And I really wondered whether Jane Ross on loan to Spurs would have been a really good move for all parties, because Spurs are not a bad team at all, but they just they don't have that finisher up front. And I think that's been a problem for them all season. And maybe a fitter, sharper Alex Morgan or... Um, a January transfer window loan like Jane Ross would would really help them kick on to the next level. You're spot on with that, Tim, because I I thought as well, when you're comparing different teams, if you compare Spurs, who are a very good team, like you say, with Everton, similar sorts of areas of the table, probably similar ambitions. Everton bought in Govan and Spurs have really relied on maybe Kennedy getting the goals for them rather than an out-and-out striker and definitely without Morgan as well. Um, Let's move on to the the Chelsea dominance then in in this one, Kate, because the goals came. Sam Kerr looked pretty good in this one as well, I thought. Um, And yeah, they just seem to be, we use the word unstoppable in the introduction, but they really are at the moment. 
Yeah, they are. And I think, you know, credit to them for turning it around after that dodgy first 20 minutes or so. And really, Leopold's first goal was against the run of play, but it was a fantastic one. Great long range finish from 25 yards. Great first touch. And from that point onwards, uh, really, Chelsea were um, dominant for most of the game. Um, Harder was really good in this game, actually. Nice assist from her for Sam Kerr. And in the second half, there was a right and corner that was well worked. Uh, Harder part of that, um, part of that effort that managed to uh, secure a penalty, which um, Leopold's converted uh, to make it 4-0 for Chelsea. So I think, yeah, a comprehensive win by Chelsea. But look, let's credit Rianne Skinner because for the first 20 minutes or so, it looked like she'd she'd worked out the ultimate game plan. It really did. I was sort of sat there watching it thinking, my goodness me, this is this is really, really something because um, Spurs basically were playing most of their balls through the middle. Um, Keris Harrop was, you know, part of that um, central action and uh, manipulating the space left there by Chelsea because the, their, their players were being dragged wide. So I thought that that was great from Spurs. Obviously, Chelsea quickly cottoned onto it and made an adjustment to their play. But I don't want to completely dis... Spurs. They were with a third choice keeper in Aurora McElson. Um And yeah, not a great start for Abby McManus. We should also note that Cho has also moved to the side as well from West Ham. So I think Tottenham just have to move on from this one, really. Yeah, I, I think so. I think you're right about their game plan. Their, their game plan was, was really, really good. And the, the thing that's actually struck me about watching Chelsea this season is I don't think they've ever really looked like a team, um, like a unit. Um, they, they, to me, that you can tell that they switch players a lot. They rotate personnel. They played a bit of a four-four-two in this one, which, as you said, Kate, they they were getting outnumbered in midfield. But but they've got so many talented individuals, it almost doesn't matter. In fact, I was watching this game and I tweeted after one of Tottenham's chances. In a minute, someone like Penilla Harder is just going to smack one in the <laughs> top corner from 25 yards, and and actually it was Melanie Leupoltz that, that did exactly that. But yeah, I, I still I still don't think they really look like a cohesive team yet. Um, I still think they're going to win the league, though. I, I don't know. I don't know whether I, I agree with that, Tim, because uh, the thing that I think that Chelsea can do, and they did it in this match, is that they can kill games off with, with a couple of goals in a couple of minutes, and that's exactly what they did. They got two goals in two minutes, didn't they, in that first half? And they are the one team in the league, I, I think, even when they're facing tough opposition and having a bit of a test, they make one breakthrough and then they go for it and they get another one. And I, I think you have to have team play to be able to do that. Chelsea, now two years unbeaten, 26 wins, seven draws. Um, I know you've been tweeting a lot about Arsenal and the um, unbeaten run of the Invincibles, Tim. Are you making comparisons here? <laughs> Um, I, I just wanted to put on record that, that though it's a WSL record, the top flight record is 108 <laughs> games unbeaten by the all-conquering so, Arsenal ladies team, yes. So they've still got some way to go. We should mention as well, there's a great piece up on The Athletic from Katie Wyatt um, on the Chelsea team versus the Arsenal Invincibles. Um, and actually, I had a good read of Molly Hudson's piece in The Times where she talks about how Chelsea have created this dominance and that the seed may have been planted with the arrival of G uh, all those years ago, eight years ago, and how really that was a completely turning point, yeah, for the, for the club and actually 
um, Emma Hayes believes that she is probably the most influential player in the history of WSL. I don't know if we agree with that. She has to be right up there. And I think she's been integral to everything that Chelsea have gone on to achieve. She she is that heartbeat of the side. She makes everything tick. In terms of midfield and things going through her, I don't think there's any other player like her in the league. And I think you'd be struggle, struggling to find someone in Europe, actually. Um, she's 29 now. And, and I really think that if this this target of getting a Champions League trophy, that they've got to get that while she is in the side in the next two to three years. And I would say that just provides a bit of urgency around that trophy. I don't know whether you agree, Tim. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And, and I think Chelsea are on a bit of a mission, aren't they, to win that Champions League. But with, with G, um, with respect to her, if you were compiling um, an all-time WSL 11, she would absolutely be in it. Um, and she could probably go into it in a couple of different positions because she's she's played as a number 10. She's dropped back a little bit recently and she just dictates things in midfield. And I, I think if you were drawing a line uh, of Chelsea's kind of succession to where they are at the moment in the WSL, the, the signing of G is where you would start that line, if that makes sense. Well, let's move on to the next fixture then. And Manchester United kept themselves within touching distance of Chelsea with a comfortable 2-0 win against Everton. Ella Toon grabbed her sixth WSL goal of the season and US star Kristen Press added a second just before half-time. This was always going to be an interesting fixture to look at, actually, Tim. The arrival of uh, Valerie Govan or the re-arrival. She was back for this game um, uh, for Everton. And actually, uh, a new signing for Manchester United in the loan deal... Uh, of Alicia Lehman as well. So some uh, extra personnel to throw into this one. Um, I think I was a bit disappointed by Everton though, I have to say. Yeah, I think so as well. I, particularly in the first half, one of Manchester United's first attacks and Leah Galton had loads of space on the left-hand side and you think, come on, giving Leah Galton lots of space on the left-hand side is, is, is recipe for trouble. I think in fairness to Everton, you can tell that this is a team with a lot of new players in it. That really came across to me and they improved quite a bit in the second second half but I just I just think at the moment maybe they're a season away from really being that kind of cohesive team unit they've signed some really really good players and there were some positive signs towards the end of the game but really Manchester United killed this nice and early it panged to me of Everton trying to play the the way that they wanted to play, trying to recreate some of that early form. They got Govan back in the side and they were trying to play uh, the football that they wanted rather than matching and thinking about the, the way that Manchester United, who are going for the title at the moment, were going to play. And, and I thought that was really naive of them because they gave so much... Um, space and time to players who were on the wings and that's exactly where Manchester United want to be they want to use the width of the pitch and I thought Everton were actually pretty narrow and I don't know what that what that was trying to achieve because you give them time and space and we've seen the deliveries of crosses like you say Leah Galton but Ella Toon's pace as well Kristen Press Never, ever question her being offside, by the way. She times those runs to perfection. <laughs> yeah. uh, she is absolutely brilliant at it. And I, and I just thought it played into their hands rather than trying to, to counter what Manchester United were going to bring. They were just sort of hell-bent on playing the way they wanted to. And I didn't think that was going to work. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I watched them play against Arsenal just before Christmas and it was very, very similar. They played that narrow midfield diamond and Arsenal just went down the flanks every single time and and Everton they're not quite at a stage Everton where they can take on teams like Arsenal and Manchester United like that they do have to think I think a little bit more about their opponents in games like that and I, I agree I, I think they were a little bit naive in this one. 
My next question on Everton, really, for both of you. They're now in fifth on 17 points, quite some way behind Chelsea and Man United on 32 points at the top of the table. So do we just take it that Everton are a mid-table side for this season um, with perhaps um, more to concentrate on, really, than um, trying to make a real play for anywhere near those Champions League places? I think so for this season, yes. And you can see they really gave their all for the FA Cup earlier in the season and they kind of sacrificed uh, Govan for that play to when she wasn't really fit, which I understand. I, I think that was what they were they were really, really going for. Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen with the FA Cup this year uh, yet, but I think for this season, yes, and really they're building for the next couple of seasons. They started the season as well being the chasers, trying to get into being considered for Europe or closing in on your Arsenal's, Man City's, now United's and Chelsea's. And I actually think it's turned on its head and now they're being chased. I think it's Reading and Spurs who think, oh, can we catch Everton this season and overtake them in the table? And I'm not sure whether that's sitting well with them. That There's certainly there's certainly a lack of confidence um, since, since that defeat in the Cup. And, and I think Govan being back is is great for them and they might find a little run of form. Well, um, also, Lindsay, having having Jill Scott back, we haven't mentioned her yet. And Oh, there was really... one shot that she tried. It, well, yeah. it didn't quite come off, but it was it was yeah. fantastic effort. Yeah. But, you know, she was ever present in this game as well. And she certainly got every single reason to be going for that Team GB place at the Olympics. So one huge credit to Everton is that they have, you know, grabbed her, Govan's back, as I've said. So... You know, I think it is probably now about sort of making sure that they don't slip too much further down the table. And as you say, Tim, probably a working project more than anything specifically to aim for this season. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We'll round off this weekend's action with the final fixture, which was Manchester City 4, West Ham 0. And City kept applying the pressure against West Ham to ensure they achieved a fifth straight league win of the season. The visitors were well disciplined, though. And after Caroline Weir's early goal, it did take until nearly half time for Georgia Stanway to get another. City's dominant possession led to second half goals from Ellen White and Rose Lavelle. And they rounded off a 4-0 win. And I think the place to start here, Tim, is maybe the gulf between these sides. We've seen Manchester City put seven past their last couple of opposition towards the bottom of the table. And then West Ham, um, I mean, is it good that they only conceded four in comparison? <laughs> but I, I just thought that there was a real difference in class. Yeah, definitely. And, and again, West Ham, they've gone down a new road with a new manager who wants to play in a different way to Matt Beard. And I think that's going to take at least the rest of this season to settle in. With City as well, they've what they've they've really hit their stride. Um, now they look they look intimidating, quite frankly, um, says the Arsenal fan who are playing Manchester City next. I, I think the really impressive thing about City, I criticised some of their transfer business over the summer. I wondered if um, they should have brought another striker in, um, but what they're doing is they're spreading goals around. Yeah, they Chloe just Kelly. don't need it. Yeah, Stanway, uh, Lauren Hemp, Caroline Weir as well. They're just getting goals from everywhere yeah. and they just look like a threat every time they go forward. And I love the way that Lauren Hemp and Chloe Kelly were working down the flanks in this one. Chloe 
Chloe Kelly's crosses are just are just brilliant, and she'll also have a, have um, a go at goal as well. I, th- I thought it was quite funny at, at the end of the game. Gareth Taylor said that the side had to move things around and that the personnel were a bit low. <laughs> I thought to myself, what a funny thing to say because you just could not see it at all that he was sort of slightly kind of uh, bemoaning that. Um, but um, but yeah, I thought you know really really impressive um, from City, and uh, we saw um, a first start for Abby Del Kemper. As as well she made her debut at center half alongside Steph Horton and even when you you know think about those two center halves together that's going to be such an exciting prospect and we saw the start of that in this game as well so yeah uh, and actually one to mention to Rose Lavelle who perhaps you know of all the US imports Tim hasn't had such a great time here and that could largely be argued because she's being played out of position perhaps but she came on as the sub and scored um, and I was pleased for her with that um, why do you think she's not perhaps had the same amount of consistency behind her performances that other US imports have had so this this was one of the signings I questioned the most first of all I didn't really see a place for her in this Manchester City team I, I think she's kind of better as a number 10 and they don't really play with one they play a lot mm. through their wide players um also her injury we knew before she came her injury her recent injury record is is not great and i don't think she's always been fit that this is one of the signings i looked at and thought did they really need rose lavelle um should they have gone and got like an out and out number nine um but i i do think to be fair to her it's largely down to fitness she just hasn't really been able to put put the games together um and probably not in a position that that she really likes and yeah I think not in her natural position I think no and I think some of these US players I think might stick around like I think Tobin Heath and, and Kristen Press might um and and Sam Mewis maybe, but Rose Lavelle is one I think will will definitely okay, go back straight to the back. NWSL. There's actually a really interesting piece online from Jessie Parker Humphreys on Dal Kemper, her reasons for signing a two and a half deal, because that's where she's different, of course, to a lot of these US loanees. She's actually talked about the differences between the two leagues. Uh, there's a lot more tactical awareness, she said, in the WSL. The way people play here is very structured. Ball possession is very valued in the WSL, which is something that's different than in America. So I thought that was an interesting um, interesting feedback there from one of the US imports. With West Ham, they actually were still pretty organised in that 30 minutes between Caroline Weir's goal and Georgia Stanway's goal. They were actually OK. They, they, they kind of actually held it together, I think. It took Stanway's goal for them to just sort of crumple a little bit. So, you know, credit to them, I, I think, for being disciplined enough during that period of time. But... Uh, Ollie Harder was right at the end of the game. He sort of joked a bit, really, and he said that uh, the game gives his side an indication of the gap. And then he just went, the chasm, his side needed to close. And that admission from the manager, not just of a gap, of a, you know, he called it a chasm, the gap between his team and Manchester City. And that that tells you a lot. He, he obviously realises the task he's got, but I'm not sure I would have said that necessarily. I think City is a great example of where there are some defensive issues in the WSL, I think, because they're a great example of, of getting it right by bringing in players. But, you know, Dahl Kemper's had to be bought in. Um, Steph Horton has been has been very reliable and playing for years. Gemma Bonner has been in the WSL for years and years. Who are the new 
central partnerships or central defenders that are coming through that are really staking a claim against any of these sorts of players at the moment in the WSL. Who are we bringing through that's brilliant? You know, Abby McManus was talked about as to be one of the next, but I, I just don't think she's at that same level. I think we sh- that debut performance from her at Spurs showed that, I think. And where are they? Well, I think the only thing I'd retaliate to that with is that Aoife Mannion's back which is great news um, obviously part of that defensive line she's been out with her ACL injury since 2019 so when we talk about the future of City's defence and how they've had to kind of buy in to create what they've got um, I think yes and that's how you win titles and that's how you go for those Champions League places but it's not that they're not concentrating on the future of where their bat line might be at um, I'm just pleased to see Aoife Mannion back pleased for City and also pleased from an international perspective as well we're just moving on to some more general lines and I think something I wanted to flag up but for you Tim just to look at how much impact it might have is that there'll be call-ups from the USA squad members that are currently playing in the WSL into their She Believes squad so Sam Mewis, Rose Lavelle, Abidel Kemper. Uh, we know that uh, Kristen Press also in that, actually. Tobin Heath will miss with that ankle injury. How much impact is that going to have? Yeah, I, th- I think it could have quite a big impact, not least as well, because I think February the 28th was pencilled in as an FA Cup weekend, which is obviously not going to happen now. But I think it w- that weekend will become a bit like this weekend, just gone, and you'll get a lot of rearranged games. So it'd be interesting to see whether any of those teams ha- actually end up with WSL fixtures that week. My-, my understanding is that there's a Manchester derby on the 12th of February and that they should all make that and then fly out straight after. But obviously there's there's the, the isolating as well. On, yeah. on the other side of travel it could be really disruptive and and that could really um throw you know that could really throw things open in things like the title race for example um just these these kind of little things can can throw things open again potentially does that strengthen chelsea's case then is that i think so yeah yeah yeah, yeah okay. i think so um, also for Aston Villa, Mana Iwabuchi um, will have international commitments in February as well. So, um, you know, despite the fact that she's a great signing for Villa, they will have to do without her for a period of time too. They're going to miss her. I think she she made an immediate impact, didn't she? Uh, Birmingham City didn't play at the weekend, but it has been a good season so far for the Blues under new manager Carla Ward. And one of the team's shining lights has been speaking to us, goalkeeper Hannah Hampton. Kate caught up with her earlier. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Hannah, welcome to the Offside Rule WSL edition. It's great to get you on. And it's it's also great to get you on when you're in such great form as well. We've we've noted on more than a few games now, you know, the 11 saves against Arsenal, the seven saves against Manchester United. Everyone's talking about you and rightly so. How are you feeling about how it's going? I think it's going well. I definitely can do better and I know I can. So I'm not like really pleased with performances as everyone else is. Um I'm just trying to get my head down and focus on my p- as well as I can and try and improve the best I can to help the team out, really. And it's that contribution to the team in that, you know, no one else bears that responsibility, really. You're, you're the only one between the sticks and you're still young as well. And you seem to be happy to sort of take that responsibility on, particularly, you know, when 
it's hard to get points on the board sometimes in the WSL. You you come up against, you know, some of those top teams like Chelsea, City, Arsenal, and it's hard. It put you know it takes it takes a lot of work to get anything from those games or just to keep yourself in the game. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's a lot of pressure um, on myself being quite young, but I do like the pressure. Um, I seem to thrive under it really. Um, it's it. It's hard because for us as a team, it's a matter of just trying to stick to a game plan because we know there are so many games where we're going to be out of possession for the majority of the game that we've got to really focus on our roles um, in defence, which I think we've been managing quite well in some some games. There's been some games where we've obviously lacked concentration and, and they might have, other teams have obviously exploited that, but we're getting better and I think... That's one thing that we've really taken pride in in our performances is how defensively secure we are, um, that we can really push on. And you say that you thrive under the pressure. Just give me a few of your tricks because I'm probably twice your age. Um, and I don't think I've learned how to thrive under pressure yet. But if if it does it does it come naturally to you? Is it something that that you've worked on? How how are you able for it to sit so well with you? I just think I've always been chucked in at the deep end. Um, even without football. I mean, I moved to Spain when I was young, didn't know Spanish, but I've managed to get on well. I had to learn it as quick as I could. Um, coming back into English schools, didn't obviously didn't know anything, didn't even know English. So I had to sort myself out in there. Um, <laughs> then just going into different teams, going from uh, an outfielder to a, to a keeper, I've had to deal with that as well. So. Um, I think I've just been chucked in the deep in that many times, <laughs> so many situations that I've just gotten used to it, really. The decision for you to go from outfield to keeper, that was at Stoke, wasn't it? I think before you came to, to uh, Birmingham, it was Mark uh, Skinner who took you to Birmingham, someone we've spoken about a lot on the pod. We obviously know his other half, Laura Bassett, really, really well. Um, was that a tough decision for you at the time? Um, I know it's normal for sort of players to progress throughout positions, but being a goalie, for me is kind of a bigger decision almost yeah it, it was hard um I think just because I, I really enjoyed playing outfield um I didn't even know how it came about still <laughs> I don't even know how I ended up going in goal but um it's turned out for the better really but um no it, it was a, a hard decision at the time for me for sure yeah Tell me about Carter Ward. What's what she brought to the side? We have spoken to her on the podcast. We know her fairly well. We know what her attributes are. But from your player perspective, tell me what she's brought in for you guys. I think from the get-go, she gave an ambition to the squad of what she wanted to achieve in this club. And I don't think that's what we had previously. We had it under Mark, definitely. But obviously, when we went in the transitional period between managers, we didn't really know where we stood as a team. Um, so when she came in... I think when she first started, she had eight players in training. So she really hit home to the eight players of what she wants, what she wants to achieve, how the togetherness has to be the best it has ever been um, for you to perform as well as you are on the pitch. Um, I don't know, she's just brought, there's something about her that just brings the best out in everyone. It's like she wants to know the, the person before the player. And for me, that's as a manager, that's what I want. I want them to not just tell me what I need to do on the pitch, just have it 
them giving interest in you really shows that they're they're there for a long time they want to take notice in you they want to get to know you better and I think if they do that then you're always going to want to perform for them on the pitch and buy into what they want if we take a look at the season um I think you know we spoke at the time how he thought it was unfair that you had to pull out of the fixture against Tottenham in early January because of a shortage of players available. And that, that you know, has 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 caused a few issues um, in terms of getting results. And, you know, Carla and the team have been brilliant. You guys have been brilliant trying to get around that, trying to deal with injuries and sort of COVID issues as well. Um, so that game you had to pull out of, so you weren't able to postpone it. So there's moving on from that and then there's moving into the rest of the season as well. Um, I think you're in you're in eighth, aren't you now, on 10 points. Where's the target for the season? Just bearing in mind what a weird season it's been really so far and you sort of have to expect the unexpected. Have you still got a clear target there? Yeah, definitely. As a team, we um, we set out to reach double figures on points. That was That's what we wanted to do from the get-go because we struggled a lot last year. So... Um, we just wanted to hit double figures and we've done that now. So now we've, we're pushing on again. Can we double it or can we get more than double? Because we know what we, we went wrong against teams that we played before and we can adapt that now and we can really push on. So I think we just want to get double points and hopefully challenge with the, like give them a tough game, the top four teams, but obviously we're not going to be near them yet. So we just got to keep building and closing the gap. Does it motivate you as a team when perhaps other sides have been able to postpone games because of COVID cases that we could argue may have been avoidable and yet you guys had to forfeit your game? It's hard. There Sometimes there's a sense of unfairness on certain clubs or, or however it goes. You, you never know what, what, what it's like in certain clubs or what the situation they've got to face. But I think as a team, we've just stayed stayed focused really and we know our end goal like I said and that's what we're working towards if it's an extra week training an extra week no game then it's more time for us to to work on what we want to succeed in the end so we take it um in a way to just improve really you're up against Everton on Sunday tell us about that one I think you know Everton had that rich run of form didn't they at the beginning of the season and they've fallen by the wayside a little bit tell me how you're going to approach this one it's going to be a tough game and we know it is. They've got quality players in their squad and they've gone and brought more in in the transfer window. So it's going to be hard. Um, I think, again, all we've got to really do is if we work on our defensive security, then we can pick up points. We've always said if you keep a clean sheet, you're at least guaranteed one point. And that's what we've really focused on this year. Now, Everton have got Sandy McKeever in goal. There's Ellie Roebuck at City. She's only 21, you're 20, and she's just signed a new three-year deal with City as well, Ellie. I heard about that earlier today. So many good young English goalkeepers at the moment. I feel a bit gutted for you, but there is your challenge, isn't it? There is your challenge. You've got all these fantastic goalkeepers. What's your plan when you look at yourself and you think how, because you've, you've obviously played for the unders, we know you're good, we know you're really good. How do you how do you navigate that the fact that there are so many young talented players in your position? I think you've just got to take a step back at it. You can't think of it as I want to be better than I because we're both we're all helping each other improve. 
if I'm performing the best I can, then it's helping Sandy and Ellie push their standards and push their um, performances on the pitch. So as much as we're a, like a competition against each other, it's also positive that we're helping drive each other's standards. And Ellie and Sandy deserve everything they get because honestly, they're the best, one of, well, two of the best people off the pitch and they are absolutely incredible on the pitch. So whoever whoever succeeds whoever wins whatever then I'm happy for either of them because everyone deserves what they get they're so nice people and they've really helped me in the England setup for sure you obviously called up into the She Believe squad last year as a training play a part of last year's November training camp as well so you're definitely getting in and around there and it'll be lovely to kind of see you see you progress through that as well what about the legacy left like left by players like Karen Bardsley and Carly Telford and Siobhan Chamberlain? Just tell me perhaps how they've partly been responsible on, on an international level for getting to the point where we've got, you know, where where we are spoiled for young English talent in terms of the goalkeeper position. It's not even at international level as well. It's at club. Obviously, there was so much scrutiny on women goalkeepers on not being able to do certain things. And I think the likes of... Carly Telford and Karen Bardsley and Mary Earps or whoever the keepers are in the league have really kind of have closed that gap, have showed that women goalkeepers are capable and they can do things. Um, in an international level, they are the most down-to-earth people possible. Um, you've got a problem, you go up to them, they help you out straight away. I think, I'm, well, I know as soon as I went into the She Believes squad, Carly Telford put her arm around me and guided me around saying you need to be here at this time, you need to do this at this time. I had no idea what I was doing. And if it wasn't for the likes of Carly Telford or the more experienced players in the team, then I'd be absolutely lost and wouldn't know what I was doing. So I'm always grateful for that. And their legacy is always going to live on. It's always going to be the group that won, always the group that started. It kind of like gave the women's, women's game more exposure to everyone is their group and it will, their legacy is going to live on for a while, while now. Well, listen, we wish you all the best of luck. It's great to see you having such a good season. We'll be cheering Birmingham on um, as well from, from our, from our home studios. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on the offside rule. Thank you, Hannah Hampton. Thank you. You're listening to the offside rule WSL edition from Muddy Dean's media and the athletic. Kate speaking to Birmingham City goalkeeper Hannah Hampton there, who's been having a brilliant season. Uh, moving on to the, the news lines that have uh, emerged this week, former England and Chelsea defender Claire Rafferty has joined Lewis FC's training squad. Did you all spot this? Because there seems to be a, <laughs> yeah, I know. a bit of hysteria building, but it's just training. Yeah, no, no plan to play in fixtures. It was one of my favourite news lines of the week last week. Um, I did get a bit excited, um, but I wondered whether it was a fitness thing or, you know, we have spoken to Raf uh, in depth in the past and I know she loves playing you know she she was you know after she retired she did she did question it a fair bit but now I think this is just her keeping fit keeping part mm. of the part of the action there um, and she has uh, been on the board hasn't she since December yeah, exactly. 2019 there so got that connection with the club um, other news uh, Tim this is a big one Vicarage Road will be uh, the host stadium for the Conti Cup final on Sunday the 14th of March good choice 
Yeah, I think so. It's it's just a real shame for me that Arsenal <laughs> won't be in it um, because that's a slightly more convenient ground than some of the ones mm. we've played on in recent years. But no, fantastic. And and obviously Watford are, are a club who um, who I think have a, a decent history with their women's team as well. Um, it, it it's just a real shame that there'll be there'll be no supporters there, and that that yeah. kind of makes it not irrelevant, but. Do you know what I mean? It, it, it's just not the same um, without fans there. I, uh, I met their general manager many years ago when I still played. And when I say played, I, I mean, I didn't play at any particularly brilliant level. I played within London leagues um, and I did train a little bit with Brentford for a while. And the general manager was like, do you want to come and do a trial? I thought I won't embarrass myself <laughs> to go and do a trial. The Women's Super League and Championship will begin trialling concussion substitutes from the 6th of February. That's along with the Premier League as well um, and, and a big step forward in, in trying to deal with this and, and trying something different you have to applaud the fact that they've brought this in so quickly off yeah. the back of a couple of really bad incidents I think so too so there are now two concussion substitutes that you can make on top of the normal three so yes it is to be applauded and um, yeah Good move, that one. 6th of Feb is when that comes into place. Shall we take a look at the Conti Cup semi-finals? That takes place Wednesday this week, Wednesday 3rd of Feb. We've got Chelsea up against West Ham and Bristol City up against Leicester City. Your thoughts, please, Tim, on these? I mean, really, it looks like it's Chelsea's competition, yeah, it, does. if we're honest. But mm. the, the real sense of intrigue, I think, is, with all due respect to West Ham, who who they play in the final. And, and that's... The Conti Cup has actually been really interesting this season. It's been quite strange in the way the group stages were put together and the rules were kind of changed halfway through. But one thing it's really done is to just put some different teams in the mix and whoever wins that other semi-final between Bristol City and Leicester, that's going to be a huge occasion um, for either side. And, and, and that, to me, almost feels like a bit of a final. Um, I would fully expect Chelsea mm. to beat West Ham yeah. and to go on and win the competition. But I'm, I'm really enthused to see who gets to the final. Uh, I in fancy the other Leicester, semi. actually, Hoops. Do you? No, actually. Ooh, I, okay. I, think that, I think this is written in the stars that Matt Beard <laughs> will go up against his former club, his Chelsea, former club. <laughs> uh, by being Bristol City women head coach and maybe even you know giving them a shout of getting some silverware. I mean, it looks like it's going to the holders, Chelsea, doesn't it? When, when you look at the... We talked about chasms in class, I think, between those three teams and Chelsea, there definitely is. But then... In the cup competition, over 90 minutes, anything can Are you going to say anything can happen? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah why yeah. not? <laughs> Throw it in. Let's take a brief look at the fixtures ahead for the weekend as well. Villa take on Spurs. Uh, Manchester United women against Reading. Chelsea against Brighton. Everton, Birmingham, Arsenal, Manchester City, West Ham, Bristol City. Tim, the Arsenal fan, slightly worried about this one, Tim. Yeah, absolutely. We, Arsenal have got a really good record at home against Manchester City. They won this fixture um, the last three years in the WSL and won a Conti Cup game in that time as well. But I just think having not played for a few weeks with Manchester City in the type of form they're in, from an Arsenal perspective, I'm really looking at the first 20 minutes and that's when I'm I'm quite scared about because I think it will take Arsenal a little bit of time to find their rhythm, whereas City are in a really good rhythm. So for Arsenal, crucial they get through that first 20 yeah. Yeah, all eyes on that one. Hoops, a return to West Ham for uh, Matt Beard and his new Bristol side. 
I think this is a huge week for mm. Matt Beard at Bristol City because they've got that semi-final of the Cup. And although I think they could come through that against Leicester, I do wonder whether this is the more important fixture that they should be yeah. focusing on. And it's whether he feels he's got that squad rotation and the fitness in the squad uh, for two games in a week. Um, but I think West Ham United offers a very good opportunity. He will know them inside out. And I, I fancy Bristol City to get something in this game. And even if it's a point, it keeps them right in it doesn't it to stay yeah, in the league it does all right let's wrap things up right there you can find us on all the socials by the way at offside rule pod don't forget the website offside rule podcast.com some great stuff on there i've already mentioned the abby del kemper piece there are five things to sum up from the wsl um, and plenty more besides in terms of women's coverage on the website so do check it out yeah you can also leave us a review uh, wherever you get the show it would be fantastic if you could leave us five stars and just a few words of encouragement <laughs> we take them with us <laughs> keeps you going in lockdown doesn't it Uh, we must say a big thank you to daddy tim stillman Uh, your daughter's six months old today so we're going to let you go and prepare for that big birthday bash tim yes thank you very much we've we've got she's not eating yet but um (laughs) mummy and daddy have cake (laughs) yes mummy and daddy have cake prepared (laughs) and a happy birthday yeah happy birthday to her Uh, thanks everyone for listening we are back by the way tuesday 9th of february until then bye bye You've been listening to the Offside Rule WSL edition, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything Offside Rule at offsiderulepodcast.com and by following at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Offside Rule WSL edition is a Muddy Knees Media production. The Athletic.